Well, good morning, Storyside. How many are thankful for the cornerstone Jesus, the firm foundation? He is so good. I love being here at Storyside with you today. If you are like, who is that guy that's lacking a Canadian accent? My name is Clint, and I am one of the pastors on staff here in Belleville. My family and I, we are super pumped to be a part of what God is doing here is story side we came on about seven months ago and uh we are just having the time of our life but before we get too far and i get into all that i want to take just a moment i want to give a shout out to all those that are joining us online i saw a few names out here i see shy cooper philip evans i see Carly Skinner, we've got Jennifer Hearns and Susan Chitwood. There's a lot more, but we want to welcome you from Storyside. Thank you for joining us online. That's a good warm welcome. Y'all got, y'all are awake. You got that second cup of coffee. So good. Well, I'm excited, as I said, to be here with you today. I want to take just a moment to honor our vision pastors, Pastor Micah, Pastor Angel, who was texting me while I am preaching. May I ask, it's probably Pastor Micah, what, what's up? But I want to honor them, seriously. Uh, they are amazing people. I get an opportunity to see what it looks like to do ministry beside them. And I knew they were great people, but I didn't really realize how strong that they were as pastors. And I have been around some amazing pastors in my life, and I'm not taking anything away from those men that I have been around and women but I'm just saying and elevating them because I have never in all of my years seen anybody pastor as hard and seriously as Pastor Micah and Pastor Angel. They are amazing. They pray for you. They care for you. They love you. Man, they have made this community better. I am so thankful that they are planted in an amazing place. And I love Belleville. As I said, we just got up here. And uh, seven months ago, we came from about 90 miles south. I didn't know how drastic the temperature change would be. It's literally like seven degrees. I tease that Ontario is right down the road. And it's like, is that like the real Ontario? Is it lower Canada? Why is it so cold? Like, I think we just got spring a couple days ago. It was freezing all up in this area. But we are excited to be here. Uh, I've got two kids. They are both six years old, but they are not twins. They are ten and a half months apart, but we are in this kind of awkward phase where they're the same age right now. And so on June 3rd, one will be seven, the other will be six, but Julia is the older sister. She hates this time right now. She's the older sister, and Gia's like, don't be talking to me like you're my big sister. We are the same age. You know how they do. And so we're having a good time with that at home right now, so we can't wait for June 3rd to come, and we can settle all of that. But we're in an amazing stage of life. It's so cool to see kids growing up, and just being a part of that is just awesome. And I would just say that right now, this season, for my wife and myself and our children, it's like almost a revival stage. And it feels amazing, but I know that maybe not everybody would maybe relate to that today as you're sitting in your chair, you would say, man, I, that's good for you, but man, it looks a little different at my house. And so I want to talk to you today about family. So we're all a part of a family, whether you chose it or not, and you like it or not. I know there's some you're like, I wish I would keep this one, but I don't know about some of these ones, right? And you laughing, those people beside you are thinking you're the one they're talking about. But we are all either a son or a daughter, a mother, a father, a sibling of some kind. you got a brother or a sister. We, we have family that we are a part of, every single person in this room. And so you might describe your family in many different ways. You might say, you know what, uh, my family's kind of dysfunctional. What? Did you say yep? Oh, and shaking the head. Yes, amen. By the way, would you please, yeah, give me amens. Give me things like uh, you're on the boulevard or that's good, preach, or boo, I don't care, say something. But you might describe your family as dysfunctional. You might say, you know what, no, my family is close. My family is tight. 
I believe the Stovers are here today, and I just love them so much. They've become good friends of mine, and I hear them talk about each other, and it's just like, man, we are so tight-knit. We are a close family, and I just, I love that when I hear that. Others might say that you come, or you're in a blended family, you know, and it's like we got his kids, and we got her kids, and exes, and we're dealing with things, and it maybe is a little bit difficult, and others may even say a broken home, you know? You may come from a broken home. And so I know there's, with this many people in the room and this many people that are watching online today, you may say, my family doesn't quite look like maybe I wished it would. And so I'm going to just ask the question just to make sure I'm speaking to the right people today. How many of you, by a show of hands, very scientific study, we're going to find this out. Uh, how many of you wish that your family would be blessed? You want a blessed family. This is not a trick question. All those hands. I got a couple of young kids like, come on, man. I ain't trying to raise my hand right now. But I think we would all agree that we want our families and our lives to be blessed. We want to build strong families. That's what we want to do. But our intentions don't always match up to what we see right in front of us. And so oftentimes when we think of family... Blessed isn't the first word that comes to mind. Maybe words like struggle. You just sit here today, and you know, I'll be honest enough to say, man, it's a struggle right now in my family. Maybe you would say paycheck to paycheck would be closer to a description of what my life looks like in my family. I'm praying for blessed, but it's a little stressed. You might say, man, I thought marriage was going to be like this blissful thing. And we stood there and we said yes and I do's and all those great things. But man, it's a little more difficult than I thought it might be. So maybe you're just thinking, man, I, I don't know. It's a little harder. Maybe you're here today and you're a single parent. There's a record number of single parents in 2021 that are raising children on their own. Man, I take my hat off to you. I give you mad props. It is so difficult, even just with my wife and I, it's like, gosh, who's watching the kids today? Do I got to do that again? Is that today? I got to do that again? With single parents, y'all don't get a day off. And so you might say, man, it's just a lot. It's just a, it's a lot to deal with. And so I don't know what your family situation looks like, but I know that family affects everybody. And I would ask today that you wouldn't check out if maybe you're a young person here today. And I'm not talking about 40-year-olds because we're not young anymore, I don't think. But you, you youngins, like 18, 17, 16, 15, don't check out on me because I wish somebody would have told me this stuff when I was younger so that I knew when I had a family what it would look like to have a good family. And we're going to talk about a solid family today. And then on the flip side, grandparents or parents that have maybe an empty nest, as we would call it, and kids are grown and maybe out of the house, you still have an opportunity to influence grandchildren you can still influence your children, and you can influence a generation inside of this church. So this message is truly for everyone. And so I want to show you a, a picture that, of something that popped up on my phone today. If we could throw it up on the screen. I woke up today, and I thought, wow, God is amazing. Um, I don't think it's by coincidence that this popped up. I want to talk to you about building families today. And I woke up at 525. Who don't lie, 1045? What time, y'all? Y'all get up at 525? No, you barely got in here on time. Oh, you got one guy. 525, it says you version. It's family week. I'm here to talk to you about family today. I think that's kind of cool. And it says complete a plan with your family. I'm going to be talking about that today and making it a priority to spend time with your family and to raise your children in God's house. Instagram, though, sent me a text and said, or a message and said, hey, hey, we missed you. Uh, we're sorry you're having trouble logging in. And I'm like, I ain't having trouble. I just don't come to your platform very often, right? And so there's this tension and this struggle. It's like on one side, it's like I want to invest and spend time with my kids, right? Let's do a family plan together. Let's do it with our, my wife. But on the other end, how many times you just sit in your living room and the kids are running around? It's like, is something burning? And you're just looking at Instagram or Facebook, and it's like, are they even all here? I know we only have two, but it's a real struggle. There's one side and there is the other. And I'm not saying social media is all bad, but I can, I think you would agree that maybe it can kind of take a little bit of our time and we can get distracted. And so I want to talk today about building a strong family. And I want to, I want to start by saying that I do not have it all figured out. 
I do not have all the answers, and we have not, we're not like writing books on this. Amen? Right? Uh, She's laughing at me. We are all in process. We are all in process. And I just happen to have a microphone today, and I believe God has given me some things to share with you from his word. And so I think together, together we can grow, we can learn today about what it might look like to build a strong home and a strong family. Before we get into opening up scriptures and talking about this, I just want to pray and just kind of just have a reset right now in the room. Father God, we just come to you right now in Jesus' name, and I ask that in the moments that we share here together, that you, God, would be glorified, and that as we talk about the word and the scriptures that you put on our heart today, that you would just allow them to, pretend, to penetrate and to soak in and be deep into our spirits, God. Allow us to receive what it is that you have for us today. Let us not just be hearers, but take action on the things that you've placed in front of us today in Jesus' name. And everybody says, amen. That was good. That was good. Well, this sermon was really birthed out of one simple scripture, one simple scripture out of Hebrews, and this is Hebrews 11:7. And the story is about Noah. Most of us are familiar with Noah, and that's an Old Testament story, but Hebrews is kind of referencing back to Noah and what he did. It says, Noah had faith, so he built an ark to save his family. And so if you didn't grow up in the church world, if you're not, you know, overly well-versed in the scriptures, it just, well, why would Noah build an ark? I'm sure that you've heard about it, but why did he even do that in the first place? And the Bible would tell us that it was a season of wickedness, that there was a lot of sin, there was a lot of violence, ungodly lifestyles were being had at that time. And so God literally said words like, I regret that I even made man. Like that's... That's strong. Like, I think that's like the top of it, about as strong as something that could come from God's heart to regret that he even made man. But he looked at Noah. He said, but I see one. I see one man that is righteous, and I'm going to save your family. And he spoke to Noah, and he said, build an ark, and I will save your family. That's pretty impressive if you're Noah, by the way. Like, he's probably going around talking to some folks like, huh. God thinks I'm pretty awesome, right? I mean, could you imagine you are the only righteous person on earth? That is unbelievable. And it took him years. I don't, I don't want to get into the debate of how long, but I know it was years. Some scholars would say 20, 30, 40, 50, some as high as 70 years. We're not really sure exactly how long, but anytime you're trying to build that big old giant ark like a big floating zoo... It takes a while, especially when it's like you and a couple of ragamuffins in your family. Think about who's in your family, and it's like God's like, hey, build this giant ark, right? And you're like, we can't even get the Ikea furniture put together, and you're about to cuss. Don't not hear, you know. But like that Ikea stuff, though, for real, it's a great deal. It looks awesome, but man, it tests my faith, my salvation, and everything I got in me to keep it holy when I get those little wrenches in my hand, it's like, give me a saw or something. How about it? But Noah had great patience. Great patience to build such a giant ark. And uh, anybody that was texting me, can you hold your text? Because I want to ask Siri a couple questions here. I don't need you interrupting me. I think that life can get... Uh, I don't know, busy, and so Amazon fills a gap, and they say, we're going to make it easy, and you can just buy everything on your phone. Who loves Amazon in this place? Who's never bought something off Amazon in their life? Wow, you are, um, what do you do? Go to the store? <laughs> Dang, like, what is that like? Amazon is something else. You should check it out. So I could literally order something. In, in Lancaster, we had this, like, Prime Now where it was in two hours. Like, I literally do it now. I get home, and the thing is there. Like, that's awesome, right? And, um, but I get a little impatient. Noah was patient, but I get a little, a little impatient. And uh, we've got this little genius in our pocket. It's a phone, but it's also got Siri. And instead of going to the encyclopedia, we can just ask Siri anything, and we are all geniuses. We used to be limited to like, you know, the knowledge that we had, just like, man, let me go to that dusty book and figure out whatever. Like, we were not that smart back then, but Siri's bringing the game up really good. So we can ask Siri questions like this. 
Siri, uh, I saw Justin Bieber the other day. How tall is he? I found this on the web. Uh, Siri, I said, how tall is Justin Bieber? Justin Bieber is five feet nine inches tall. Okay. All right. So Justin Bieber is nine feet tall, or five feet nine. <laughs> For all my Christmas people, I know you've been asking the question already because it's felt like winter. Hey, Siri, how long until Christmas? It's seven months until then. Thank you, Jesus, right? She's ready to put the tree up. My wife is crazy about Christmas. Now, I need you, need you to hold your laughter because this one's kind of funny. Uh, I'm not good at math, so I asked Siri this question. But she, just listen, just hear it here. Hey, Siri, what is zero divided by zero? Imagine that you have zero cookies and you split them evenly among zero friends. How many cookies does each person get? See, it doesn't make sense. Mm. And Cookie Monster is sad that there are no cookies. And your friends are sad because they don't exist. Mm. Oh, wow. This escalated quickly. Okay, so, all right, Siri, is, uh, she knows a lot of things, but she also has a personality. That's so fun. We could ask Siri all kind of things. We're going to get serious here. Uh, but... Faith. I want to define faith. I could ask Siri what faith is, but I looked it up on my phone. And faith is complete trust or confidence in something. Noah had some strong, strong faith. In Hebrews 11.1, 1, it says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things that are not seen. And so Noah had a big faith to build a big ark. Because you got to recognize at this time when God was speaking to him, it maybe had not rained before. I know that seems weird, um, but some would say that maybe it had never even rained. And God is saying, build this giant thing in just the middle of this landmass, and then one day water is just going to lift it right off the ground. I mean, it, to follow God takes faith. When you hear that kind of thing, it's like, how many years? I can't even do the Ikea thing, and you're talking about it's not even raining? I don't even see a sprinkle? So Noah had some serious serious faith. I strive to have faith like him. But he held on to the promise. He held on the promise that God gave him, and he said that he would save his family if he did it. And so like Noah, I believe that we are all building something. Every single person in here, I believe that we are building something, and we're going to talk about that today. Matthew seven twenty four through 27 says this. I love this parable of the wise and the foolish builders. Verse 24, therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. Everybody say rock. The rain came down the streets, the streams rose and the winds blew and beat against that house. Yet it did not fall because it had a, it had its foundation on the rock. On the other side of the equation, but everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who put his house on, built his house on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, the winds blew and beat against the house, and it fell with a great crash. So that's what I want to talk to you today about. What are you building on? What kind of house are you building? What kind of home are you constructing and putting together? And what is the foundation that is underneath it. I put this house together, and so I'm just believing for Jesus to keep it together till the end of this sermon, uh, because I am not a handyman. I couldn't even really figure out to get this saw on last service, so uh, it's a tricky saw, though. It's tricky. Got a funny little button on it so you don't cut your arm off for people like me. But I built this house, and I want it to represent your family. I just want you to be thinking in this moment as we talk today, what are you building? What kind of home are you constructing and putting together? And I want to talk about a firm foundation, shifting foundations, and really what is keeping you from building a strong family. If you say today, you know what, I, I don't think I'm building something that is faith-filled and strong, then what is keeping you from doing that? I believe, I believe one side of the equation, there could be many things, uh, but I believe one side of the equation is that we have a spiritual enemy. And so if we don't recognize as believers up front, like page one type of stuff, first day, that we are in a spiritual battle, 
then you are going to lose the battle because the enemy knows he's in it, but you don't, then you are a soft and easy target. And so we got to recognize that the enemy does not want you to build a firm foundation under your home and in your house, in your family. And so I think there's six things that I'm going to talk about. There's, we could have done dozens of these, but there's six things I think that the enemy uses that will prevent you from building a strong home. And that first one is culture, today's culture. If you look around, you turn on the news, I think that we would possibly find some parallels and some easy comparisons to the times of Noah. You know, there's ungodly lifestyles. There's evil, there's corrupt situations, there's murder, there's just a lot going on. And it's, it's easy to figure out that the world is full of sin. And our culture is trying to kind of press upon us, right? It's, it's influencing us and social media, the news. They're coming after things like Dr. Seuss and Mr. Potato Head. What did Mr. Potato do with anybody? He's just over there being Mr. Potato Head, and, and we're canceling Mr. Potato Head, yet we are elevating Cardi B. And when she gets up there in the Grammys, I only saw a snippet because I was like, I don't even know what's happening next. But if you saw it, it was crazy what she was doing, yet we celebrate as a culture that behavior. But man, Dr. Seuss and his books. Hey, I'm going to. And have you ever seen the commercials of, like, the, the, um, the adoption of the cats and the dogs and, like, you know, trying to save them? And I, honestly, they're long. They're like, why are they, like, nine-minute commercials with Sarah McLaughlin, whatever her name is, and she's singing, I'm crying. Like, why am I crying? Just give them 20 bucks. Take my money. But we have such a concern for the well-being of cats and dogs in this country, but the, the life that's in a womb is completely disregarded. It's completely disregarded. But we're going to save those cats, and we should. I got a dog. We're going to save them dogs for sure. All them cats. I don't know about them cats. <laughs> I got another amen. Man, it's weird amens today. It's like, amen, let's not save those cats. The second thing I want to talk about that might prevent you from building a strong, firm foundation in your house is confusion. The devil, he would be described as maybe the author of confusion, the author of confusion. And so uh, when God says that he created them male and female, I know I'm going to kind of get into some things today. I'm going to do it with love, but I just need to make sure we understand what God's word says. When he said that he created them male and female, that's what he meant. And so today in 2021, when a child gets to pick at age five, I think that's confusing. I think that's confusing our kids. I cannot believe the conversations I hear and the things that I've even had my kids ask me at five and six and seven. The enemy is putting the question marks where there was periods. He's stealing the period and placing question marks in our kids' minds. How about marriage? God's best for marriage. And a man and a woman, it's, it's God's best, but then we just get to pick and choose and do where we want to. It, no. The enemy is working and he's confusing situations. And I'm saying this in love. I'm just saying the way God designed it. That's just what he said. And so the enemy is on full fledged attack to attack the family unit. Can we see this here? The identity of people in the family unit. If he can tear that structure down, then he can do some work. And I think he's doing a pretty good job. We got to wake up and we got to start standing our ground on some of these principles in love. I got to be really easy with this one because I broke it first service. So let's all say a prayer. Thank you, Jesus. Stay. The next one is choices. Choices. You know, we got so many options in America. Man, we are so blessed. So blessed. But sometimes that blessing can turn into a curse. 
when we got so many things that we can do and we got money at our fingertips, even if you don't have a lot of money, you are richer than 95% of the whole world. And so we got options and we pour ourselves into careers and hobbies and we go to the lake and we disappear for three, four months, maybe during the summer, uh, and we, we go away from church, sports, and there's a lot of things that goes on. I, listen, these are good things. I'm not saying they're bad things. I'm sorry if I'm preaching a little bit today. I know it's quiet. It's going to get good on the other. When I f- start flipping these boards, there's stuff on the other side. It'll be different. But right now, I'm just trying to tell you the enemy is trying to steal from you and your family. And so we got to prioritize the right things because, parents, listen, what you prioritize, your children will prioritize. They're watching. They're not always listening as much, but they're definitely watching. And what you do, they will do. They're going to do it. And so let's just put God first. We can go to the lake. I love playing golf. I used to camp. I used to do all those things. But let's make sure God is still in the center of our families. Let's not neglect the gathering and our faith and our foundation in Jesus just for some fleeting fun. Let's make him first. I think another one that God use, or the enemy uses is conflict. You're trying to build a strong house. The enemy is going to try to interject and put some conflict in your home. Put some conflict in there. Not all conflict should lead to division, and that's where I want to kind of just touch on that. We're going to have issues. We're going to have challenges. We're going to have struggles, but let's not let it go to division, okay? Matthew 12, 25 says this. Jesus knew their thoughts and said to them, every kingdom divided against itself will be ruined, and every city of, or household divided against itself will not stand. We cannot have division And it's clear that the marriage commitment and covenant is under attack. The enemy hates it when two believers might get together and become one. And so he does everything he can to wedge himself in between it. And he uses things like finances and arguments about money. And how are we going to discipline our kids? These little things finding their way into these relationships and separating and dividing even things like the thermostat. Come on, somebody. Why are you always so cold? Talking to my wife. That next one is comparison. Comparison is a big, big one today with social media. It's so easy to compare. 30, 40 years ago is a little more difficult to compare with other people's lives and what's going on. But today we can just scroll and we can look and we can see And how many people feel so much better about their life and their blessings when they scroll and they look at everybody else's Lamborghinis? It seems like everybody's got, like, Lamborghinis and awesome houses and amazing. It's like, do they go on vacation nine times a year? And so we're looking at this stuff, and it's like, man, it don't look like that in my house. Like, I don't get that many vacations, and, uh, man, I (laughs) I wish I had their life, right? It's that comparison Dave Ramsey says to to don't keep up with the Joneses because they're broke too, right? So don't try to keep up with those people and those neighbors and all that stuff. They ain't got no money anyway. It just looks like they do. The social media, man, those highlight reels. That's what we put out there. Can we be honest? Y'all putting your bad stuff out there? Nah, we put our highlights out there. And so then when I'm sitting in my house, it's all messy and dirty and not looking great. I'm not, that's not, that's not on you. That's (laughs) not I'm in trouble. Dang it. But it's like, man, I see my reality, and I see their seemingly, like, perfect life, and it's like, this is crazy. I got a picture of my family up here. There's us. And so Isaiah is one of the photographers here, and uh, he's amazing. And he sneaks around. He actually, we were at my friend's house. We were just hanging out on their back porch, and uh, I didn't even know Isaiah was there. Uh, and he came and snapped. This is a real candid picture. This is not something that was coached. Candid picture. He snapped it. He sent it to me late at night, man. He's like, hey, I just want to let you know your family's so awesome, and I just wanted to take like a live shot of you guys. Here's what you guys were doing today. Are you serious? Ain't nobody looking like that ever. So I put this on Facebook, and you guys are like, look at them. They're all matchy-matchy, and they're getting along so well. One's disobedient in the middle because it was supposed to be like one of those live shots where it's like, hey, we're doing something different. Don't look at the camera. And she's like, "Uh uh-uh, I'm looking at that camera. You said for six years, look at the camera, smile. And so I'm smiling, and we got one disobedience. Man, I'll correct that. 
But if you just looked at that, you'd be like, wow, I just wish that I could be more like them, right? That's why I would be like, man, someday we're going to get there. Man, it don't look like that. That was a lot of hard work, guys. We do real life. And I don't want to spend too much time on comparison, but I think it is such a big deal. I heard this. When we perceive that we are doing better than other people, that will lead us down the road of pride. That's dangerous. But on the flip side, when we see people and we, they have nicer stuff, nicer cars, better jobs, and all these things, now what do we get? It's not good. It's envy. It's jealousy. It's discontentment. And so I, I did make this one up, and I've never tweeted anything in my life. I don't even know how. Is Twitter hard, or am I just old? It's not hard. Okay, I think it's hard. Listen, I think this is a good quote. Comparison holds your contentment hostage. Let me say it again. Somebody, as I say it, just put it on Twitter. Comparison holds your contentment hostage. You cannot be content while you are constantly comparing. You can't do two things at once like that. And so I expect to see that and tag me. I'm just kidding. We need, to, we need to compare ourselves to Jesus, guys. Let's stop looking around, focusing on everybody else, and we need to focus on Jesus. Comparison is going to kill your contentment. And this last one is casual. Casual. I think that we can just get a little bit casual in our homes. If we're trying to build a strong, firm foundation, a godly, faith-filled house, we got all these things piling up, and then we throw in casual, and we start saying things to people that we love the most that we would not say to the stranger on the street. Then we're just getting mixed up. We just get a little complacent and calloused to the blessings that God has put in our life. And I know that when the kids are screaming, I know it's difficult and it's tough, but man, we got to watch what we say. And we got to be careful about how casual we get because we do not want to hurt those that are closest to us. Sometimes we say things and we can't take them back. So I think that we just need to guard against and be cautious about being casual. And so my recommendation is to not build your house with these things. The enemy prefers these things and actually is using them to try to influence your family. And so let's get to the good part. How about that? Everybody ready for the good part? Let's get to the good part, man. Hebrews 11 said, Noah had faith, so he built an ark to save his family. What are you building? Either building by an intentionality or you're going to get something by default is what I believe. So what are you building? Uh, a house that you buy that might be a foreclosure. Anybody ever bought a foreclosure before? Hands raised, bought a foreclosure. They're not in good shape. They're not show ready typically. You don't just walk in, you know, put a fresh coat of paint on and go. Like somebody didn't keep up on the maintenance, right? Things fell apart. Water starts coming in cracks. You start getting some water in the basement. Things start to get a little musty. You start getting some mold and things deteriorate. And that's what you get when you stop taking care of the home. That's what you get when you don't maintain it. But God, he gave us some tools. I'm staying away from that one over there. He gave us some tools. I can use a hammer. He gave us some tools so that we can build a strong family. I believe today, don't be discouraged. I believe today that you today can make the decision to build a faith-filled, strong home. Joshua 24:15 says this. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. We need to be serving the Lord. If you are here today, if you're watching online, I believe in that if you are serving the Lord with his help, you can build a strong family. And I'm going to hit a timeout button and talk to the dads just for a moment, to the fathers, to the men in this room. Number one, thank you for being here today. It is important that you are here and setting an example for your family. I read a study this week, and I've heard these numbers before, but they're just so shocking. When a mother comes to Christ, her family will join her at church only 17% of the time. But when a father comes to Christ, his family joins him 93% of the time. And so, men, we got to take that place that God has put us in. We have a place of order in the home to be spiritual leaders. And we need to take that seriously because it's affecting our children. It's affecting our families. And if we lead with faith... 
they are going to follow. And so I see some people in this room that even recently have made that switch and they put faith first in their family, they would tell you, is following and is changing and is in a season of revival. And so I'm proud of the men that are here today. Can we just give it up for the men in the house and their role? I love the women. But these stats don't lie. And so let's start building the good house. We're going to fly through these. Value God's word. I believe a family that values God's word is going to start with a strong foundation. This is the foundation right here. You want to know the heart of God? Read the Bible. You want to know how to raise and have a Christ-centered home? Go to the Bible. It's in there. And I need to speak to the My Truth movement for just a second. Let me just, I might as well touch on everything else. I might as well touch on this one too. There is no My Truth. There is his truth, and then everything else is just opinions, okay? So it's his truth. There are principles in this Bible. You say, well, I don't see where it says this and that about this. There are principles in God's word that will lead you straight into the middle of truth. And so we got we to gotta make sure that we are getting in this word. Parents, how about let's read our Bible in front of our kids. Parents, let's do some devotionals. That reminder that I got today on my phone from you version that said, why don't you do some family reading? Why don't we place God's word as a priority in our homes? This is number one. This is the foundation. You get this one right, now we're building a firm foundation. The shifting sand goes away when you put this board at the bottom. How about a family that commits to prayer? A family that commits to prayer. You see... The devil is the author of confusion, but prayer, when we channel that voice out, and if you're hearing the voice of the enemy, if you go to prayer, he is the one that provides the clarity. And so if we are talking to God, we are going to get revelation from him. And so I know it's cliche in a family that stays together, or prays together, stays together and all that, but it's real. And so my question to you today, are you praying with your family? You would say back to me, that's awkward, right? A lot of people are like, hey, I've done that. Like I literally, for me personally, even as a pastor, I can pray for people and say, like, hey, man, you need some prayer, you need some prayer. Okay, what are we praying for? Oh, you praying for Let's go. And I'm over here and I'm just getting it, you know, and I'm doing the finger. Let's go. In Jesus' name, amen. And then my kids, I'm just like, oh, my gosh, like y'all scare me, you know? But we got to be praying with our, our families and making this a real point. And so my wife and I, we pray with our kids in the morning. We pray with them at night, and we make it a priority. And I truly believe if we're praying over the boo-boos and the ouchies when they're young and this little, that when they get a little bit older and they're teenagers, and they got real problems and real issues, if we've laid that foundation of prayer in their life, I honestly believe that they're going to come, and they may just ask you to pray for them about these serious things rather than hiding them from you. So let's start early. This is everyone's favorite. I'll just put that right there. Obedience. You want to build a strong foundation and a strong home and have a faith-filled family? Then we need a family that walks in obedience. You know, the boat kept Noah's family safe, but it was Noah's obedience that actually saved them. It was that time of building is what actually saved his family. And he was obedient. And I said it in the prayer, but we can't just be hearers of the word, but we gotta be doers. The, the Bible says that even the demons believe in Jesus. Belief is just hearing and knowing. Following is now when you put it into action. We gotta be followers and doers of the word. When you hear and believe, it affects you. When you obey, it affects everyone around you. You begin to change the room when you walk in because you are now a believer and a follower that impacts the people around you. And I just, I believe what James said. James said, faith without works is what? It's dead. And so let's be obedient. We gotta be obedient if we are going to hold a standard in our homes and I truly believe that God's love language is just that. It's obedience. I added that one, but it's a good one.
a family that fights for unity. This one right here, on the flip side of conflict, you have unity. We got to be unified. Your children are not the enemy. Your spouse, listen to me today, your spouse is not the enemy. Now, the devil is your enemy, and he would have you and lead you to believe that they are at times, and he will put you guys against each other, but they are not the enemy. And so even in this moment, just be thinking, are there unity killers in my house and in my camp? What's in my heart? Things like unforgiveness, things we don't tell anybody about, and our bitterness and maybe an unmet expectation of our spouse. If there's any of those things in there, those are unity killers, and we just got we gotta, we gotta to remove them, and we got to get them out. I love this. Peacekeepers avoid conflict to keep the peace, but peacemakers work through conflict to keep peace at home. And so peacekeepers are the ones that they just like, oh, we'll just avoid it and not deal with it. And then after about the 50, 60th time, they just blow up like a time bomb. We got anybody that's stuffing in here, stuffers? Y'all stuffing? Oh, someone was on it. Oh, it's a couple of them. And then boom, it blows up, right? And it's like, then there's this and you did this. And it's like, man, all I did was I didn't put the cup in the right place in the, you know, it's like, what just happened here? But peacemakers work through those slow, those little pieces of conflict one at a time so that we can continue to have peace. How about a family that pursues holiness? We just got a couple more. Maybe we could even have somebody come to the keys. We are going to wrap this thing up today. Holiness. This is like an old-fashioned word, like righteousness, but it means to be set apart. Holiness. If we're pursuing holiness as a family, this house is just going to continue to build on a firmer foundation and it gets stronger. So holiness is just, it's a pursuit, but you're never going to arrive. Perfection is not attainable, but the love portion that underlies the holiness is. And so we are aiming and shooting for the love. And we want to be more like Jesus, not the Instagram person with 200, 300,000 followers and all that stuff. Like, we're not looking to them for our holiness. We are looking to him for our holiness. And so my question will be, what do you hunger for? Like, if you were just honest right now. Do you hunger for comfort and fun an image, because Hebrews 12, 14 will say, work at living in peace with everyone and work at living a holy life. For those who are not holy will not see the Lord. And I did, I just, I put it in my notes like, whoa, when I read it. That is striking. Those who are not holy will not see the Lord. We have to be pursuing this purity and honesty and truthfulness and integrity and so when you got a business deal and you got an opportunity to make a huge commission check, but there's something a little bit sketchy inside of that deal, the Christ follower says, you know what? There's a lot of money to be had, but there's also more deals to be had because I'm going to pursue holiness because people know who I am, and I am not going to allow that to be a reflection of my character and my integrity because we're going to pursue holiness. And when we do that, this home gets strong. And finally... A family that gets to God's house. This is so important. You're here today. You're here today. A family that gets to God's house. If you can get here, in this place, in a local church, planted, rooted, I believe that your family is going to be stronger. I've heard this more times than I can count from parents, and it's really, um, it's just hard to hear. I hear parents say that they don't want to push church on their kids. You ever heard anybody say, that? I don't, I don't, I don't want to push, push the church on my kids. I'm going to let them figure it out for themselves. That is a terrible idea. That is a terrible idea. If you are not leading your children, because it's not pushing it's leading, and that is our, our responsibility. If you are not leading your children toward truth, someone will fill that gap. 
Someone filled that gap in my life, and it led me down a broken, messy, jacked up road, and I'm thankful for a God that can redeem anything, but man, we did not have to go the road that I took if God's house was a priority. I don't think we would have had to go that road, but I'm thankful. I'm thankful that he called me out of the mess, but parents, we got to be leading. It's your responsibility. You can do it. It's not too late. You might say, you know what, I got teenagers and kind of beyond that. Nope. Now is the time. God can fix it. God can bring it all the way full circle. He can take this house as we seek him, put God's house first. He can take those teenagers and he can turn them into world I almost went through the whole thing without doing that. He can turn them into world changers. You may not see it, but just like Noah who had faith, your faith can change your family. And when you prioritize God's house and you come here, I believe that there's something else that you could do and that is to serve. We have seats to sit in, but we have opportunities to serve in. And it activated my faith and my wife's faith when we got saved and we were coming up in the church and we were just, we were sitting for a while, but there was some conviction in there that said it's time to serve and man, did it feel good. Well, I was just, I, I, I'll never forget it. I'm holding doors for people coming in the church and their countenance is low and I see in the service, they raise their hand to give their life to Jesus and on the way out, it's all different. I didn't preach the message I didn't play on the stage, but I held a door, and it changed me. Serving isn't just for everyone else. It's for you. I believe it'll activate your faith. I believe getting to God's house also provides a community and accountability that we all desperately need. I try to go to the gym all the time. I, I'm not very good at it, Gannon. <laughs> He's like, yeah, I never see you there. I pay for it, though. Every single month, I pay for it. I'm on time, $25 every month. I'm a good paying customer, and I don't use nothing up in that gym. Let me get a discount. It makes me feel good when I have a membership. But we got a story from somebody that in our church they said that this community really changed their life when they made God's house of priority, it changed their life. She says, a little over a year and a half ago, I walked alone into my first Storyside Church service. I remember that morning like it was yesterday. My heart was so full of pain, a pain that I would not wish on anyone. My husband and my children and I, we were in the middle of a storm that I wasn't sure, honestly, that we would pull through. But God, he met me on that Sunday morning, and even now when I read my notes, that morning, it brings me to tears of what I experienced. No matter what your story is, right now, under the sound of my voice, maybe this is you. No matter what your story is, you, God will pick up the pen. And if you don't like the way that story's going, he will write the next chapter in the next chapter. But you got to give him the pen. You got to hand over the pen. And she says, he's going to write a good story. He has in my life. He has in my husband's life, in my children's life. We found a home at Storyside. We found a family. We found friends that love and support us. And most of all, we found our way back to each other in our marriage. I believe that a family that puts God's house as a priority in the center is going to be a changed family. Is going to be a family that is heading down that road of righteousness and holiness. You got to make it a priority. And so I want to ask you this question as we close. What could the future look like for you and your family if you said yes to building this kind of house? Christ-centered. Not Christian because that's too easy. Christ-centered. In the middle. Everything that we do, everything that we can solve, what would Jesus say? What would it look like?
I think that you could change the trajectory of your family. I believe today could be a turning point. Maybe we'll get a, an email from you in a couple of weeks or months, and you will say, that day changed my life. And so in this moment, I just want you to stand to your feet. And we're just going to take a little, just a couple minutes before we go. And we're going to search our hearts. We're going to close our eyes right now in this moment, and we're going to just take an assessment. My family, my responsibility, the people around me, the people under my care, what is the condition of my house? As we are praying in this moment, just ask God to show you and reveal to you some of the things that maybe the enemy is trying to use. This is not necessarily your fault if you are not building on a firm foundation. The enemy is in a battle with you. He wants to destroy your family, but God wants to resurrect your family. Maybe today could be a legacy-changing kind of day. Maybe you need to ask forgiveness for someone in your family. Maybe you've been making bad choices. Maybe you got the wrong friends around you. Maybe you are heading down a road that you don't need to be walking on, and you just need to make some distance between you and the friends that you placed in your life because it is keeping you from building the family that you know God has called you to build. Maybe you got to have that conversation today. Maybe you have disrespected your spouse. Maybe you've crossed some lines, and in this moment you would say, God, I realize today in this very moment that I have been outside of your will, and I am sorry. And so first thing we would do is we would repent to God and say, forgive me, Jesus. But the second thing we would do is to go to our spouse and say, forgive me for what I have done, and then get serious. And every single day, ask God, help me, Jesus, to build my life on you. I want a firm foundation in my life. I want a family that is serving God. I want to leave a legacy that is worth leaving. I want to be a part of this kingdom work that you are doing on earth. Maybe, just maybe today is that moment that you would confess to him and say, I am ready. I'm ready to get serious. I know I've got options and choices and opportunities and things, but they have actually become distractions in my life. I'm trying to build a good family. I'm trying to build a God-honoring home. I want that firm foundation. And so today, Jesus, I give you my life. I give you my family. I give you my home. Help me, Jesus, today to be in the center of your will. And if you are here today and you say, I don't even know this Jesus, but I need him, then you could just say with me today, I need you, God. I thank you for Jesus. I thank you that he died for me. I thank you that he covered my sins when he got up out of that grave. I thank you that he has covered me and I can be new and that I can pursue righteousness. I can pursue holiness. And I'm thankful today that Jesus has saved me and I will follow him the best that I know how every single day of my life. Let's declare it today that we are going to build our life on Jesus. And I will not be shaken, and I will build my life upon your love. It is a firm foundation, and I will put my trust in you. Now. Nah.